0: Welcome to episode number 38 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. Glad to be bringing you another episode. If this is your first time joining me, this is a show where we talk a little life, talk a little guitar, and then we air your original classical guitar compositions. So if you have a composition you'd like to submit for the show, it's very simple. All you do is send an email with an mp3, to Chris at ClassicalGuitarComposers.com and if it's a classical guitar piece, I'll play it on the show. I should say, if it's an original classical guitar piece. Not interested in recordings of well-established pieces. We're looking for new music. I've decided to make that the new motto of the show. Because that's what we do. We talk a little life, little guitar, little music. Maybe it should be we talk little horror movies, little guitar, little life, whatever. So let's talk a little life. It's February. It's the time of year where I'm getting really stir-crazy. Like, we get these little hints of spring, but not really. And the days are still short. I just have a a need to, like, get up in the mountains, but they're not as accessible right now. But it's coming. I've got spring fever. It won't be long before I'm taking little Ginny out on the lake, trolling for some walleye. I'm really looking forward to that, but in the meantime, it's just February. It's cold. It's dark. I came across something last night that just blew my mind, so on the weekends, it's somehow kind of become this thing that my wife and I do where when we're ready to go to sleep, we'll be laying in bed and we will we'll watch Unsolved Mysteries, and not like current ones. We we're like watching the old episodes from like the 80s and early 90s and like i used to watch that show when i was young if <laughs> if i could stay up late enough sometimes it, i don't know it's it's an interesting show what's nice about watching these old ones is you learn which ones have been solved at the end of each episode but anyway so we'll watch like one story generally and usually we're falling asleep at that point it it kind of puts us to sleep so over the course of several years we've watched I don't know it takes us a couple weeks to get through an episode (laughs) but it's a thing we do anyway now one of my all time favorite horror movies is Jeepers Creepers I've talked about it a little bit on this show at least on the horror movie discussion episodes Jeepers Creepers is a fantastic movie it's one of my favorites it's really well done it's scary and we're watching unsolved mysteries and this this story comes on and i look at my wife and i'm like this is jeepers creepers and she's like yeah it is and the story kept going and every part of it touched on it it was just like jeepers creepers so it like blew my mind i got on the internet and i i searched like unsolved mysteries jeepers creepers it came up immediately apparently this episode of unsolved mysteries is the origin of the idea of jeepers creepers i had no idea and it's creepy man because jeepers creepers opens with um there's like a in the movie it's brother and sister they're driving down the road in like you know some real rural area you know they're 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 not in a heavily trafficked area. You know, they're, they're the only car on this road. It's very, looks like it could be like Ohio or Nebraska. I'm not really sure where it takes place. But very open, very, you know, long ways between anything. And this big truck, you know, starts tailing them. Just keeps flying up the road and tails them for a while and then passes them. And it has a, a vanity plate that says be eating you and (laughs) they they then uh down the road later they pass this building and the they see the truck parked there and they see this creepy looking dude like throwing what appears to be a body down a a hole anyway this more or less happened and it, it's, it talks about... Like, like, right down to the license plate. I mean, it didn't say be eating you, but, you know, they, they noticed this license plate. The people who were driving down the road, it was a couple, and they, I guess they had a hobby of, like, making words out of the license plate. So it was said Jay-Z something, and they were like, geez, that guy is going fast. Something like that. And I it, my mind was blown. I was actually like... <laughs> Instead of putting me to sleep, I I got all, like, fascinated by it. Anyway, so if you have seen the movie Jeepers Creepers, you should check out Unsolved Mysteries. It was season 3, episode 20. I wrote it down because I know some people will be interested. And if you haven't seen Jeepers Creepers and you're a horror movie fan, you you gotta see Jeepers Creepers. So yeah, aside from getting my mind blown by Unsolved Mysteries and going stir-crazy, not a lot going on. I actually do plan on getting into the mountains today. There's a little bit of a, I don't know, hesitation because I mentioned last year in an episode that my dog had died and I've now gone for maybe the longest period in my life of not owning a dog. but we have a puppy on the way it's well it's yeah we're adopting a puppy but the puppy is not old enough yet to come home with us so it feels a little weird to like go up into the mountains without the dog I'm like really wishing I had the dog to take with me but next time should be one hopefully as far as the guitar half of my life currently on the Lobos Etude number 6 in my quest to have uh, played all of the Villalobos Etudes to the best of my ability. And that will leave, so 6, I just started 6 like last week. So the ones I have not done, it that will leave 6, 9, 11, and 12. And I've played 11 a lot because I really like 11, but I've never really liked done it i always like read through it you know i've never really like fingered it out and worked worked it methodically and i may redo 10 because 10 is the one piece i've truly like given up on i i worked on 10 and i was like this piece is just too hard i still like i worked it thoroughly i just couldn't play it i, I might give that another shot it's been really how long's it been i mean it's had to have been it might have been almost 10 years since I did Etude 10. So, working on that. I've also uh, started Catalonia by Albanas. Never done that one. And, you know, I kind of avoid pieces with that tuning. The, you know, A to G tuning that's very common with like Albanas pis- pieces and uh, some other romantic stuff. But man, there's a lot of great pieces that just demand that tuning. And I've done a few. I don't know what it is, because I'll, I'll do drop D, no problem. It seems like nothing to me. It's just part of playing guitar. You you move in and out of drop D, but when I have to start dropping A, uh, I, it it feels like the biggest burden to me. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. And, and the worst, the one I can't do, because I will do that one, but the one I just refuse to do is that Renaissance piece tuning where you... Uh, lower your G to F-sharp. I did that once, and I I don't know, for one thing, my brain can't reconcile that one. I've done, I can switch to drop D easily. I can read just fine with the A drop to G. It's not a reading issue there, but I cannot read with the G down to F-sharp. I just can't read it. I hate it. And I've also done that, uh, that tuning that um, the Andrew York piece, Sunburst, is in where you lower both your Es to D. That one throws my mind off a little bit too, but not as bad as something about that. Maybe it's just that the open string is a sharp rather than a natural note. Either way, it just, I don't like it. I don't do it. But Catalunya is a cool piece. I've always really liked it. I was always a little intimidated by it. I have the Waco edition. that suite and I don't have any other editions of Catalonia I'm gonna have to maybe get some because Barweco stuff's pretty hard but I like it I like his arrangements so I usually try to do them when I can like I've done I've done some of his Bach arrangements and I I change very little from his arrangements I usually deviate a little bit from them but I, I do his Granada with just a little bit of deviation but I don't have any other... I'm going to have to just check out some other Catalunias. I also just need to listen to some. You can often find alternatives to alternative solutions to guitar problems by just listen, listening to different players play those pieces. That's what I need to do. But it's going well. I've been uh, practicing guitar very regularly again. As many of you know, it's therapeutic. And it sucks when we're not able to. I, I've got to have it. So that's going well. I've got a composition slot in my practice repertoire and we're working on a new piece. The last one I uh, my latest piece, I aired on my previous episode and I I haven't put up sheet music for that one. Uh I I probably will. I don't know. There's something about it like it's not my favorite piece that I've done. I like it and what you know when i finished i was proud of it i was looking forward to sharing it i think what i hung up on with it and what i don't like about it is um the two suites i've aired on the show i believe are very playable they're for me i can go back to them and they they fit the fingers really well and they they don't take a whole ton of practice to get them worked back into my fingers i feel like they're pieces i can revisit a lot and but yet not simple and boring, and that's kind of how I try to write the theme and variations. I did. It, it was on the harder side. Like it, I would imagine in a year, because I'm I'm not playing it right now. I'm when I finish recording a piece, I put it down for a while. Uh, but like in a year, if I were to go back into it in a year, I'd be I'd have a very hard time playing it. I would need like to really practice my way back up to it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not worth uh, putting up for sale, but for whatever reason, that's that I'm, I'm kind of hung up on that. But you can purchase sheet music of mine. If you go to classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the link sheet music. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you something in return. Um, I'm not accepting donations for the show. Not that anyone's throwing them at me. <laughs> but, but a lot of podcasts do they, they ask for donations or whatever and that's fine I just don't want to do that I want, uh, if you want to support the show I really appreciate it but I want you to get something in return I assume like 99% of you listening are guitarists but I know not all of you are because I know of a few who listen just because they like the show but they don't play guitar and I would like to say thank you f- to those of you who have bought that sheet music it really means a lot to me It's very gratifying as a composer to be able to have someone enjoy your music and and actually want to play it themselves. I would also encourage, uh, if you ever hear music you do like, a lot of the composers we feature on the show have their sheet music available, and I would very much encourage you to support them. If you like what you hear and you want new music, that's a that's a great source. And uh, if you go on classicalguitarcomposers.com and just search through, there, there's a little post for each episode. And I always include any links that composers provide to their stuff, their website. Many of them have their stuff available for sale. Many of them have it available for free. So it's a great place to go and get yourself some new music. Yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of music available and you can kind of use this show as a hub to get to some of it it's really a great way to do it if you're like one of these hipster guys and you want to like play something at your recital that no one's ever heard <laughs> come get a chris hell's original <laughs> and you'd be like yeah i i discovered this guy And you can sit up there in your man bun and play the American Suite and people will be like, wow, that's really cool. What is that? And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, you don't know. Anyway, all right, let me respond to some emails. I've got some interesting email today that is probably going to generate some discussion. So probably don't need to go on anymore. Let's start with this one. This guy's mad at me. This pe- uh, this email comes to me from Justin Burchell or Burchell. I'm sorry, Justin. I don't know how to pronounce your name. I mean no disrespect. Dear Chris, I was very sorry to hear your disparaging comments about Cage's 433. I'm by no means a rabid fan, but I thought your take was way too harsh. Unfortunately, when you called the performer some dink <laughs> and the audience a bunch of idiots... You lost yourself a listener in my case. As if the notion that anyone could take the piece seriously or enjoy the experience of it was beyond even a little respect. FYI, regarding the page turns and the stopwatch. The piece is written out as three movements, each on a separate page and a specified length of time. If you saw a performance with more than two page turns, they're full of shit. Otherwise, they are just performing the piece. The stopwatch is necessary unless you're so sure of your ability to keep count that you could bring it within a second of the specified time. Even the best musicians would find that pretty impossible. I enjoyed your variations on Scarborough Fair at the end of the show. The dink who played it did very nicely. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Justin. That's kind of you to say. (laughs) Uh, was that too harsh? A bunch of idiots? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's take this in chunks. Okay, regarding the page turns, I didn't know it was a multi-movement piece. <laughs> I uh, So that explains it. I don't know. I don't think there might not have been more than two page turns. So that I probably just didn't understand what I was seeing the stopwatch my point with the stopwatch was what was my point with the stopwatch it okay it was is the piece written out like with one rest or is it like i i don't know is it have multiple meters because it seems to me that if the piece is like let's say the first movement is 1 minute okay you could just write a one single bar of rest, with a fermata over it that says length one minute, you know, then the stopwatch, in that case, would make sense to me. But like, if you've got page turns, I'm I'm assuming that music is broken up into multiple measures of rest, which you know what I, I'm whatever. Here's the thing, I don't take it seriously, I think at best it deserves a spot in history as like a thing that people took seriously but I'm not going to take it seriously and (laughs) I mean (laughs) I think the nice way to describe John Cage's music would be he's very creative and he's very original thinking and I think the disingenuous way To describe his music is that it's brilliant and that it's innovative and that it's beyond the understanding of the layman and that is really kind of what my true issue with this stuff is is it's like i can see that this is just absolute shenanigans this is ridiculous and i have people who profess to be very intelligent telling me no you just don't get it you don't have enough intelligence to understand this so i'm not saying that's you justin because you say you're not a rabid fan i understand you're trying to defend someone who would maybe want to go experience it but i i'm not changing my position on this i'm not backing down (laughs) are you really not going to listen to the show anymore that seems a bit harsh (laughs) i mean You know, if everyone quit listening to the show every time I said something they didn't like, would I have any listeners left? That just seems kind of silly to me. I can't uh, think of a podcast I listen to or a show I've watched where I'm just in 100% agreement with everything I hear. But if that's the the reaction, I bet there are no vapors who listen to the show and I bet there are no hippies who are listening to the show anymore. (laughs) Uh, For real, Justin, thanks for your email. I hope you keep listening, but, you know, if you don't, okay. You are a singer, I see, in your uh, signature. Uh, I know singers tend to be a little dramatic. So here's the thing. I could, like, do right now a transcription of 433 for guitar, and then I could play it for you guys. We could do that. We could air it on the show. Except it's not an original piece of mine, so I, I wouldn't. It'd be breaking show rules. But I just find... I find it ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I find anyone who includes it in their program to be pretentious. They might be an otherwise great performer, great person. But I said the nice way to describe it is it's creative the disingenuous way is to say it's brilliant. I would say the accurate way to describe it is it's pretentious. All right. And I would also say this. I think we have discussed enough John Cage on this show for a lifetime. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm done. I'm done talking about John Cage on this show. <laughs> he He's not even a guitar composer. Like he, He's occupied way too much of the airwaves. John Cage was probably a nice gentleman. He was weird. I mean, from what I learned about him, you know what? I found him pretentious. I'm done. All right. Let's move on to the next email. All right. This email comes from Tim. It says, Chris, I love your podcast. I'm just now getting around to listening to it. I hope you continue doing them for a while. I am an avid classical guitar player and really enjoy both your dialogue and music contributions that are played on your show. However, I can't believe the blasphemy, (laughs) here we go, (laughs) I can't believe the blasphemy of the ragging on the Beatles and covers of Beatles songs. (laughs) If you haven't already, give Pat Metheny's cover of I Love Her a listen, I'm assuming. Even better is Wes Montgomery's album A Day in the Life. That's an album to sip a nice iced tea to. Anyways, cheers, mate, and I hope there are many episodes to listen to in the future. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. Uh, All right, Tim has a follow-up, so I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to respond. I'm currently on day three or four listening to your podcast. I'm currently on episode 18. I have to say, after listening to your past podcasts, you feel like a relative that I haven't seen in years trying to catch up with. Maybe a bad thing or a good thing, depending on how you feel about distant relatives. However, I've noticed you mention notable classical guitar songs for movies. I would like to mention a song that fits your narrative. If you haven't mentioned it by now, I'm only to episode 18. Clint Eastwood's movie, Unforgiven, is a western which may not be everyone's cup of tea or iced tea. It features a very beautiful theme composed by none other than Clint Eastwood himself. Tim. All right. Tim, thank you. Uh, What you said about um, feeling like a relative that you haven't seen in years means a lot to me. I think that's truly like the best compliment you can give to someone doing a podcast, in my mind, because the podcast that I know and love, that's how I feel. And that's what keeps me coming back. And that wasn't the original intention of this show. I wanted it to be a lot more music and a lot less me but it's become this and I enjoy doing it and that that means a lot to me I really appreciate that I haven't heard of this movie I really like Clint Eastwood I didn't know he composed music but I'm gonna have to check that out I've never I haven't heard of this at all so thank you for the suggestion all right now the Beatles thing (laughs) okay I do not feel the same way about the Beatles as I do about John Cage. I understand why people like the Beatles. I understand that they are playing music and that they have a lot of talent. I don't recall exactly what I said about them, but uh, I just don't like them. (laughs) So it's not to say they're no good at what they do, because I'm not going to say that. It just doesn't do it for me. I'm a Stones guy. I love the Stones, and just because those two are often compared side by side, maybe it's my uh, loyalist personality, but uh, I'm all Stones, man. Give me Mick Jagger all day over any of those little little squeaky happy voices. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, enough of the Beatles songs in freaking classical guitar recitals. Just all right. You suggested these other ones. I, you know, I got a lot of respect for Pat Metheny, but I'm I'm over Beatles covers, man. Aerosmith is one of my all-time favorite bands. I I just adore Aerosmith. I hate their cover of Come Together. I hate when they play it live. If I'm in an Aerosmith concert and they play "Come Together," it's time to go to the bathroom. It's just a—it's a band that's never moved me, and people around me like them. Like I, I have friends who just loved them, and I just never got them. And they're not the only band like that. They're uh, Bob Marley's like that for me. You know, all my all my friends love Bob Marley, and I'm like, it just doesn't do anything for me in fact reggae as a whole doesn't do anything for me but you know i like a lot of music that the other people who like the same music music like the grateful dead and and jam band type stuff often really like bob marley but that side of it never did anything for me i don't get the foo fighters people love the foo fighters man i don't understand how that now that one Again, I recognize the talent, but I just don't understand why the Foo Fighters are so freaking popular. I really don't understand it. I don't find their music interesting. At all. But, you know, teach their own. My daughter doesn't like the Grateful Dead, and it... (laughs) It bothers me. (laughs) And trying to figure out how to fix this problem. I'm trying to fix it by throwing more Grateful Dead at her, but... It doesn't seem to be working. She says it all sounds the same. Is there anything else I, I'd like to get off my chest about things I don't like? Pearl Jam's kind of like that for me as well. This will be the last one. I, I've never been a big Pearl Jam fan. It's another band. Recognize the talent. So there's like... I saw. I saw this feud <laughs> thing between uh, Nikki Six and Eddie Vedder, Nicky Six from Motley Crue, and they're like having this like battle of words or something, trying to insult each other's band. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Motley Crue fan by any means, but I would take Motley Crue over Pearl Jam any day. Pearl Jam just does not do it for me. They're a lot like the Beatles for me. I I recognize why people like it. I I see the talent. I just don't... I don't like Eddie Vedder's voice, for one thing. I think he's an awful singer. You know what? I'm going to say, not only Pearl Jam, but every grunge band not named Alice in Chains. I can leave it. It, No thanks. I like Nirvana. I don't know if we count them as a grunge band, but but all them other uh, Seattle... You know, like Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden... I I love Alice in Chains, man. Love Allison Chains. I like some Soundgarden. I like when Chris Cornell sings with Allison Chains. But yeah. All right. Do I have any listeners left? I hope so, because now I'm gonna play some music we can all enjoy. I am reaching into the vault. I've realized that I need to populate a list of every episode and what music I aired on that episode, because I'm starting to have a hard time remembering when music was played and if I've replayed it. So I'm gonna do that because I I want days where I can reach back and replay something we have heard but haven't heard in a while and uh, today's one of those days so I recommend pushing pause and getting yourself an iced tea while I go track down this piece. Okay so the pieces we're featuring today were featured in episode 20 from 2020. And these are five etudes by the composer Geely Johann Graterson. Hopefully we're in the ballpark. I'm gonna put up links to his website and he offered the score for free so you can access these recordings and the score and I will, I'll put up the links for those. So this is five etudes, and the introduction reads as follows. This collection of studies is the final product of a guitar composing course that I had in the autumn of 2010. My teacher was Professor Jan Olaf Eriksson, a prolific composer and arranger for solo guitar, guitar and other instruments, guitar ensembles, and guitar orchestra. The point of these studies is not only to practice some fundamental playing techniques for the guitar, but also for me as a composer to try out the many different effects and techniques the classical guitar has to offer. Each piece has its own focus, an idea that I and Jan decided before I started each composition. I have attached to each study a short text with information regarding the music. The name for the pieces, idea number one, etc., comes from Jan. He mentioned to me that students normally didn't like to play studies. They are boring. Hence the name Ideas and not Studies. I hope that I have succeeded in my efforts to make these ideas musically attractive to the modern guitarist. Enjoy. Here are five etudes by Gili Johann Gredersen. Okay, and there it is. We've just heard five etudes by Geely Johan Graterson. Thank you, Geely. And thank you to all who listen. Thank you to those who emailed in and all of you. I look forward to the next episode of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. Until then, keep on plucking.